This is Aaron and Dave Neinhauser, and you are listening to the Live Mike Podcast. Bring it. Bring <laughs> it. Come on. Okay. All right. A little more passion. <laughs> Come okay. on. Please. This is Aaron and Dave Neinhauser, and you are listening to the Live Mike Podcast. Okay. Great. All right. He was one of those civilized individuals who did not insist upon agreement with his political principles as a precondition for conversation or friendship. People around here don't care about DACA. They don't care about Me Too, I'm Black Too, or transgender bathrooms. Period. A trade war with China? Bring it on. Most people in western Pennsylvania support it. They've been blaming the Chinese for stealing their jobs for 40 years. Democrats used to fight for this stuff. Aaron and Dave Neinhauser are our guests. Uh, they have an organization. It's a 501c3, right? Correct. You guys are nonprofit now. We yep. are. And it's called Hear Yourself Think. Tell us a little bit about it and how you got underway with it. Dave and I have a combined uh, 20 years experience doing uh, grassroots work, knocking on a lot of doors. Dave alone has knocked on over about 100,000 doors here in southwestern PA. We've worked with labor, worked on progressive issues. And um, what we found time after time when people opened that door is what led us to found Hear Yourself Think. And that was the kind of extreme and partisan and inflammatory media sources that people were immersed in that was really making it hard for you know us to talk rationally about the issues that affect working people. And you're doing this in Beaver County. Yeah, we are all over Western Pennsylvania, all over all over the state, all over the country. You know, we don't have any funding, of course, as a, <laughs> as many nonprofits don't. But um, we have uh, done some online trainings. We're part of a movie that's had um, national reach. That's the Brainwashing My Dad documentary. So we are connected with people around the country, but most of our work is local. Uh, and we live in Ambridge here in Beaver County. Well, we're glad to have you on the program because I know this podcast pays handsomely. So <laughs> you guys will be able. Well, excellent. Well, thanks for having us, Mike. Now, uh, Kevin Farkas, uh, the director and founder of this uh, this uh, social voice project, uh, tells me he said the word to describe you guys is fearless. I suggest it's stupid. <laughs> but you go into the lines, and when you said you, uh, when Aaron says uh, you've knocked on a hundred thousand doors, that's tough. I mean, you are in the lines then at that point because when they open that door, they can swear at you, they can throw you off of their porch, they can slam. They can pull a gun, gun on you because they, they don't that? agree with you politically. That, that happened once. But, uh, don't want to scare people away from knocking on doors, right? Because it's really important and from talking to their neighbors and from being out in the community. Because 99 times out of 100, even if people disagree with you, they're nice. And that's the difference between, I think, phone calls are weird these days. Everybody tries to block everybody from, you know, calling them. And there's like phone wars, you know, that I don't want to talk to you. If you don't have ID, I'm not answering your phone. But when you look at somebody, when you you knock on a door and and, uh, look somebody in the eye, you know, they're still a fellow citizen and you can can have a, a good conversation. But what we were, like Aaron said, what we were finding was that it was becoming more and more difficult to agree on basic facts. Now, that's become a pretty common refrain since 2016, but this is, you know, for, for years, we were, we were seeing this gradually uh, happen, uh, you know, over time, and especially into the healthcare debate. Now, we, we were coming from the progressive side of, of the issues, for sure, but that wasn't, it wasn't, we weren't uh, upset or concerned because people didn't agree with us because, you know, they weren't progressives or weren't Democrats. It was that, 
they were convinced of things that just weren't true. It's fine to disagree about immigration or health care or whatever, but if somebody comes to the door and says, oh, I can't support the Affordable Care Act because it's going to kill my grandmother in a death panel in a FEMA camp and the president is from another planet and all these sort of fact-free uh, inflammatory things that they're picking up from their propaganda sources. Mm. Right. So were you surprised in 2018 uh, to hear former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani say the uh, truth is not the truth? Were we not were surprised, surprised by that? No. Not surprised at all. I mean, because it seems as though under this administration that the idea or the line between what's truth is dependent on what you believe the truth to be. I mean, everybody has their own set of truth it's, or their own set of facts is what people are being told. And so you can present something to them that is clear as day, right? Put it right in front of them. And they'll say, well, no, but that's not the way I see it. And so that's their set. Uh, that's their set of facts. Perception, their perception is the reality. Mm -hmm. um, Alternative facts. Yes. Mm, and there you go. Uh, Stephen Colbert was on to this a couple of years ago, right? right with, we mm. remember uh, truthiness. You know, I looked yeah. it up in my gut. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, that's just gotten so extreme today. And it's a real it's a real threat, no, no matter what your political philosophy or ideology is, this idea that we're now entering this post-truth phase in our politics. Um, post-truth was the word of the year in 2016 with Oxford Dictionary. They defined it as um, a, where appeals to strong emotion is more influential than evidence and facts. And that's just a really dangerous place to be in as a democracy. And one of the reasons why um, we feel it's so important to get out of our social media bubbles, get out of our sort of comfort zones and talk to people and restore a respect for truth and facts and reason and honest dialogue. Mm -hmm. Now, your base is in Ambridge. Are you both from the Beaver County area originally? Oh, uh, no. Uh, uh, I'm from Greensburg. Okay. And, and I'm from Newcastle. Oh, okay. All right. But how did you pick on uh, Ambridge to be your base? I grew up, I was born, raised in Beaver County. I'm the product of uh, union and labor parents. My father worked at the BNW. My grandfather worked at a place called Ingrich. Uh, after 48 years in the foundry, they went belly up and he lost his pension uh, in his old age. My father worked 36 years at the BNW. They closed down and, uh, you know, he lost his job at about 55, 56 years of age. So, you know, the, the union belief in the, in, uh, the democratic point of view is deeply based in, in my belief system. Mm -hmm. uh, Beaver County, though, in terms of how it's shifted after the mills closed over the last 30 years and the fact that Beaver County went with Donald Trump in this past election is disheartening to me at, at best. Uh, I, I just can't believe that these in Ambridge, where they also are, were, have been from hardworking labor groups, go so strong for Donald Trump. How do you explain that? Well, Mike, that's sort of why we just wanted to be in Beaver County. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been out there uh, you know, slogging uh, uh, through all this misinformation and conspiracy theories, you know, all this stuff that's been you know, pumped out through Fox News and talk radio for years. And it really bit, that Fox effect, right, uh, really bit hard in areas like Beaver County. People really were saturated with, uh, you know, talk radio for decades now. Fox News came in in 96, right? But before that, you know, uh, when did Rush Limbaugh start up as a nationally Late 80s. Right, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, so it, it changed. There's a straight line. It, yeah, it, it, it changed people's attitudes and opinions really infected hearts and minds gradually over years. And with so many of the different campaigns we worked on, whether it was the environment or labor, you know, you'd come back to the office and say, we're out there talking to people and it just, just takes so much time to get 
to square one because you have to wade through so much nonsense coming through the media. And it's always, well, like, don't worry about it. we got to win this campaign. We have to advance this piece of legislation or whatever you happen to be working on. And that's understandable. But what we knew, what we knew for years was that this was going to break our democracy if, if this, this media phenomenon of just poisoning the channels of communication with uh, emotion-based propaganda, fear and hate was eventually going to have serious repercussions for our democracy. And one of the reasons we're in Beaver County is we wanted to be where it was happening, right, where we could get out and talk to people who were under the influence of this stuff and, and see what we could do about it. You know. Roger Ailes uh, didn't actually get to see Donald Trump elected president, but you know we call him the founding father of fake news. And there, there could be no Donald Trump as a candidate or as president without Roger Ailes and the foundation he laid um, through the media. Um, he really pioneered the, camp the style of campaigning that doesn't um, amplify the strengths of your candidate, but demonizes the opponent to the point where they're unacceptable. And, you know, we've struggled with and thought about this question a lot of how did so many sort of good old fashioned union Democrats um, go for Donald Trump? And I think part of the answer, not the entire answer, is that uh, people don't live by bread alone, right? And if you feel like you're part of a holy cause to defeat the evil Democrats, that's really powerful. And that's what we found when we, um, if, if folks, if you're in for a hair raising experience, go to our YouTube channel and watch. I think we just put the unedited footage of about 20 minutes of us talking to um, people. We live right across the street from the high school in Ambridge. So we went over and talked to people at the Trump rally. And, you know, they didn't, they weren't there because they were upset about not getting a raise or, you know, health care. They were there because, you know, Hillary Clinton killed Vince Foster and because of Pizzagate, the conspiracy theory pushed by Alex Jones. And so, People were very animated to defeat this sort of evil other, which has now been attached to the other political party. And that's just really scary. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you talk about the, the Fox Nation that's out there, uh, demographically older Americans, although they wouldn't like to admit it, uh, but that's what we are demographically here in Beaver County. you got a lot of older Americans who lost their jobs, uh, who are on their pensions, who fear for their Social Security, uh, the health care issue. These are all democratic issues uh, that should be uh, fought for. But one of my problems is, uh, so that I don't just go along bashing the Republican Party, I'm pretty pissed off at the Democratic Party which I have seen over the past 20 years as losing their spine, uh, not willing to stand up and willing to fight for these bread and butter issues, uh, the pocketbook book issues, uh, didn't stand up for Obama when Obama w could have used him. Now, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but he's been demonized. When you talk about uh, Roger Ailes and the birther situation, um, uh, that he's a Muslim, Obamacare instead of the Affordable Care Act. All these things have been used to, uh, and the Democrats, I didn't see them fighting, fighting for these things that are democratic issues. Well, I mean, Democrats did pass the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. And that was a very, very, very difficult fight. And there were representatives like Kathy Dahlkamper, right, who stepped up and voted for it. There, uh, and then representatives like Jason Altmaier, who did not. Mm -hmm. And they, were, they, under, they both understood the political and uh, media culture that they were dealing with. Th those Democrats who stepped up to vote for the Affordable Care Act knew that they were probably going to lose their seats. And the reason Altmaier didn't vote for it was he, he recognized that as well. And I, know, I, I yeah. knew Jason uh, back then, and I think that what happened was that he sat on the fence for so long that uh, people from both sides turned against him. The Republicans were never going to vote for him. Republicans are never going to vote for a Democrat. And the Democrats, myself included, said, come on, take a stand. Well, it's a perfect example of, you know, I think it's, un it's been underappreciated 
I think it's still underappreciated, but it's much, much more taken into account now the power of media and propaganda since 2016, you know, to overwhelm, you know, critical thinking, to poison hearts and minds. Uh, but for a long time, it wasn't really adequately under, uh, taken into account how dangerous this media phenomenon was and how, how it caused Democrats to have to constantly th- uh, you know, double think and triple think their positions because it, it'd be nice to think that you could just stand up and say, here's what, what I stand for and here's, here's what I'm going to do and I'm going to do the right thing. But when you know that there is 24-7 media happening on talk radio, millions of people are tuned into uh, Fox News, and they're hearing that uh, the Affordable Care Act isn't going to extend health care to people. Uh, it's not going to be a good thing. It's, in fact, going to be you know, an evil, tyrannical thing. That becomes part of the calculation that politicians make. They have to. They have to think about what, not just what this thing is, but what do people think it is. And that's, that's the influence that, that this right-wing media phenomenon has been able to do. You know, it's, it's made it everything so much harder in terms of, do, you know, because if you're going to do something good, if millions of people think it's bad, that, that matters. That influences the, the politics. And I was a member of uh, the media. I made my living in the media in this area, the Pittsburgh area, the Youngstown area, over that last 30-year period. In most of those places that I worked at, I was the token liberal, the token Democrat. But let me tell you a little bit about that as well. You couldn't go too far. The reason that you don't have more Democrats uh, or liberal progressive thinking people is because if I take a stand, and I've argued this before, if I take a stand on the radio, on commercial radio, and I say that I'm for increasing the minimum wage, if I say I'm for uh, national health care, if I say that that employers should have to give their uh, workers health care benefits, well, those people who are paying the bills to run that radio station aren't going to like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's, it's never, it's never an, um, an outward kind of threat. They never come to you and they never say, you know, you've got to rein that in. You can't talk like that, but it's always there. And so the advertisers, it's not about ratings. It's about advertising. And who pays for the advertising is these big businessmen, these big corporations. And if you speak against what they believe in and say, oh, yeah, you ought to pay your uh, workers uh, $15 an hour, well, that doesn't go over and you don't get anywhere in doing that. Do you remember when Lynn Collin was fired? Yeah. Who who was she? Who was she? Oh, WTAE. Yeah. A TAE. And then on the radio, she was fired again. Yeah. She uh, she got a slot Mm -hmm. on the radio. Right, right. Always doing liberal commentary. Yeah. Yeah, and then she mm-hmm. got fired. Yeah, fired there as well. Right now, she works for the city paper. You know, mm-hmm. basically a podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I mean, I think it's the same thing. You don't get that kind of support. Those are the you know that's where it lies. Also, as a talk show host for all that time, when elections came around, Republicans were as easy as as anything to get to talk. You called you know a certain uh, group. Oh yeah, we'll have somebody on with you. Uh, whether it's uh, you know a pro-gun group or anti-abortion group. They would have somebody for you in 15 minutes. When you call the liberal or progressive groups, uh, we, can't, uh, we can't find anybody for you. And that was always frustrating as well. Uh, so to get into, you know, that sort of thing. Do you think they were afraid of getting pushback from the they audience? They could have been because it was, well, not only the audience, but because if I worked with four other uh, hosts during the daytime and three of them were hard conservatives, Fred Hansberger, Mike Pintech, you know, down the line, uh, then they're obviously going to say, no, we really don't want to, because they were always gun shy that uh, they were going to get attacked. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it creates a toxic, uh, unfriendly, at at the very least, 
yeah. environment for, for progressives. Yeah. And nowadays, I have uh, contacted a couple of stations, and I've been told that we really already have enough left-leaning hosts. We're really looking for, for someone who's more pro-Trump. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. that was never the case mm. whenever I was, the, you know, whenever Clinton was in office and, you know, I was defending Clinton and, and well, Obama. Well, Mike, we appreciate that you haven't turned. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it's yeah. just, that's the way it is. But that's how it is. That's what they call it? media. Wing not welfare. Yeah. Right? You can be on the, if you're on the, in the conservative, you know, right-wing mm-hmm. movement, right. there's always a place for you. Yeah. On Fox News or talk radio somewhere, Sarah Palin, whoever it is, they, they end up with a, you know, a, a, a gig, yeah. a, a very well-paying gig at Fox News or whatever. Yeah. So um, I have kind of a personal question. Yeah. I hope it's not out of line. Do you, um, did you ever feel kind of intimidated or did you get th- threats from listeners like just being – because, I mean, I know some of the, the KDK radio stuff got pretty extreme with right. um, the other hosts. I, I just mm-hmm. wonder if you've experienced that or if you've seen that, if you've seen that change over your career. I think that um, as far as threats are concerned, I mean, you get called – every name in the book. Uh, it's a lucky thing that we have a seven-second delay a lot of times uh, with that sort of thing. Um, threats, uh, there were a couple, uh, a couple people, but it just came with the territory uh, of the shows. You know, you just try and, and get, you know, the message out there, you know, because you have to kind of couch it in likable terms. You can't be as bombastic. Uh, say, Fred Hansberg and I used to do a show called uh, Thursday Night Fights, where he would take the right and I would take the left. It was just a six or seven minute thing where we, you know, just yell at each other about our issues, but nothing was ever resolved from it. And as you move these things along, I mean, it, it, when I'm when I did radio, I'm in a room by myself. You know, I don't have to. Uh, I can say pretty much anything I want. You're anonymous. They don't see your face. Anything like that. You guys are going out there and you're knocking on doors. Aaron, I saw you in the paper just the other day uh, with a bullhorn. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> protesting Judge Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation hearings. Yes. What's up with that? Um, so in addition to our work with Hear Yourself Think, um, my uh, main focus in the last couple of years has been as a healthcare advocate. So I work with the Pennsylvania Health Access Network. And, um, you know, I've helped hundreds of people here in Beaver County enroll in health insurance. And um, there's a real serious threat. Um, there are a number of serious threats to health care that are happening through the courts. And so if Brett Kavanaugh is confirmed, there's a case in Texas that could invalidate and just totally wipe out all the patient protections in the Affordable Care Act. So people with pre-existing conditions would no longer have a guarantee of coverage. The ACA marketplace that insures 400,000 people here in the state would go away. So we wanted to uh, raise awareness about the threats to health care, um, just highlight the fact that the Kavanaugh nomination process, especially in this environment where you know the president's under criminal investigation, is just outrageous, especially when you contrast that with how Merrick Garland was treated under President Obama in the last year of his term. So we were protesting, but the most important thing we were doing is uh, registering voters. And that is, I think, one of the most important things any of us can do in the next, um, well, the voter registration deadline is October 9th. Um, and people can register online now at votespa.com. So it's easier than ever. Very good. Uh, but the hypocrisy that you see going on when you talk about uh, uh, Garland, when you talk about what's going on with Kavanaugh, when you talk about the missing papers, all the things that are going on, uh, I, I expect this from Republicans. I expect the hypocrisy of Mitch McConnell and the rest. But, man, I want the Democrats to stand up. I, I really do. And what we're seeing, and, and I think you guys are on the you know, ground floor for, for all this, is that the more socially progressive uh, Democrats 
are out there, maybe from the Bernie Sanders wing, uh, but to have more of a social conscience uh, to bring out some issues, more women getting involved uh, in elected politics. Is that going to change? Do you see is that uh, much of a change? I mean, there's a lot of people out there, right? And especially, I think, with women running. How many women are, I mean, it's just a, a huge number of women are running. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, super positive. I th- you know, there's definitely, so when we're talking about this right-wing media phenomenon, for instance, yeah. that's had such an influence, it didn't just function by, you know, indoctrinating however many millions of Americans towards an extremist, you know, hyper-partisan viewpoint. It also functioned by making politics, so like, for instance, we're talking about democratic response, right? On the one hand, it's, you know, some folks say, well, they're not standing up. But if they do stand up in, the, in that sort of hyper-partisan, crazy atmosphere mm-hmm. and, and yell back from the outside, people who really aren't paying that much attention or that deeply involved in politics is sort of a pox on both their houses. It just all looks crazy, right? It's something I don't want to be involved mm-hmm. in, right? So you'll have, so you have the, the deeply indoctrinated right-winger, the you know, right-wingers. But the other part of this, the plan was to make sure that millions of Americans were looking at politics and didn't want anything to do with it. This just looks nuts. This is not something I want to uh, mess with. That part of their strategy has not helped since 2016. Yeah, they have several million or however many we could argue of deeply indoctrinated people who will stick with Trump no matter what, you know, shooting somebody on the street thing, right? right? But the people who had been on the sidelines for so long and didn't want to get involved have stampeded to get involved, right? Just clarify that. <laughs> I see Kevin typing over here. Uh, the comment that uh, Donald Trump ran uh, said whenever he was running for election was that he could. His supporters were were so uh, so solidly behind him that he could go out on Fifth Avenue in New York City and shoot somebody and nobody would care. Right, and there are, it's, it's terrifying that in the United States of America we have a subset of our electorate who are essentially uh, deeply indoctrinated by a demagogue, but they are. But they are, not, they are nowhere near a majority. Right? And so there is a lot of hope in that people like, are coming in off of the sidelines. Um, right? So that's, that's the piece of their strategy that has not held. Right? They're still able to inf- influence the culture. They're still able to spread misinformation and conspiracy. But they have not been able to keep millions of people from getting reengaged in, in, in uh, their political life. So I don't get the feeling that you're sick of winning. Just yet. (laughs) (laughs) What are we, 18 months in? Aren't you sick of winning yet to tell him, Mr. President, please, we've had enough winning. Enough of the winning. Mm -hmm. The winning is is just obnoxious at this point with the winning, right? But uh, I mean, what's really happening out there? He'll boast and his supporters will boast that, well, look, he cut taxes, uh, the economy, the jobless figures are the best that they've been in 40 years, even for black Americans. Uh, you know, more blacks are working today than ever have been before. You hear the bombacity. Well, it's, uh, what I what I say is uh, that's it, feel, it feels like deja voodoo all over again. You know, we had voodoo economics under uh, George W. Bush came in, you know, got the Clinton economy where uh we, we, we had a surplus. We had a surplus. Right, we had a surplus uh, coming out of uh, the Clinton years. Uh, George W. Bush came in and said, hey, that's your money. We're going to pass massive tax breaks and give it all back to you, right? And the economy's great, and it's, I'm going to take credit for that economy. And I'm going to pass these massive tax breaks for the wealthiest Americans. And, you know, seven years later or whatever, we had a, a, a world of crap, right? Everything, the, the bottom had fallen out. Mm-hmm. Everything was, was uh, in, in wreckage. The economy was, um, had uh, imploded. And we had to get a Democrat in to, to fix it, right? right. Um, so that's, that's where we're at now. 
it's the same. It's the the same playbook. Take credit for you know a, a, a good economy, and then use that as an excuse to do, do the same trickle down stuff that never works. Aaron, where are we going with healthcare? I know that's a a very important issue. Uh, my wife's sitting here, and we know firsthand. After 30 years as a nurse, uh, she had to have uh, elbow surgery. Uh, but in that process, uh, her the company that she had worked for sold to a different company, uh, wiped out the benefits. She had to have surgery. Uh, she's still not back to work after um, eight months now. Oh. And, uh, and so the healthcare, and now you're talking about pre-existing conditions and they may be wiped out. Mm-hmm. I know this is just uh, one perspective on it, but what's happening with many other Americans out there with the healthcare industry? Well, I think that people are afraid of returning to the days when um, people were forced to live in fear. The Affordable Care Act has been a tremendous success in Pennsylvania alone, um, close to 800,000 low-wage workers, um, the people that drive our kids to school, the people who serve us breakfast at the diner, who cut our hair, who, um, you know, just keep our communities running, have been covered by Medicaid expansion. That's part of the Affordable Care Act. And so um, we have those things. We have to fight like hell to keep them. And the way that we keep our health care is by voting. And I think that's a hard lesson that people have learned. Um, President Obama said this throughout his term, that better is better. And people had to elect Donald Trump to see that that was true. You know, there, I, I dealt with so much uh, complaint and discontent and griping about why isn't it this? Why isn't it that? Why isn't everything perfect? Well, why didn't you vote in the midterms in 2010? Why did you sit home in 2014? Some of the folks that have come off the sidelines, especially in, in the indivisible movement, a lot of them are higher income suburban voters who just felt like everything was all right. And they, this is sort of like a, an admission and a recognition that they should have been doing more. I mean, they've, you know, people have said that and they're throwing their money and their time and their talent into um, state legislative races, into congressional races, running, supporting candidates, rallying. So there's a lot to be hopeful about, but we should never um, take anything for granted. You know, mm-hmm. we have to work, um, work hard to protect what we've won and move the ball forward. Right. So I, I want to share a quote by Rick Wilson. He's ironically one of the never Trumpers. Mm-hmm. Now he's on Bill Maher show often, but he was the one who made the uh, Jeremiah Wright ad when President Obama was running in 2008. And uh, he's talking about um, sort of his philosophy, his, his dark, twisted philosophy. He says, fear is easy. Fear is the simplest emotion to tweak in a campaign ad. You associate your opponent with terror, with fear, with crime, with causing pain and uncertainty. This, um, I wanted to scare the living shit out of white people in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Today, they would all be Trump voters, I'm sure. That's why we're on a podcast, because you can say shit <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's true. But you're politically astute. Um, I followed politics, you know, most of my life. What about the average person with their remote control switching channels and seeing those things? Are they are they smart enough to see through it? I, I don't think it's actually a matter of intelligence at all. I think it's a matter of just us having more conversations about propaganda and how we're all vulnerable to these kind of subrational appeals that hit us in that primal fear center. It, it has nothing to do with intelligence at all, actually. I think I think it has to do with a deficit of us talking about propaganda outside of like academic institutions you know we need to have more of these conversations that's how we build up immunity you know if we can make these scare ads stop working then people really can look at people's records make their decisions based on the facts rather than you know um, how how hard their fear button was pushed an hour earlier I'm concerned uh, as a Beaver County resident that uh, we are getting more and more clones of Daryl Metcalf in our area it's all around us, uh, fear-mongering, and uh, 
just these these just really wacko uh, kind of politicians out there that people are believing in and following. Well, they're going to keep doing it uh, as long as it works. Mm-hmm. That's what manipulators do, right? They're yeah. going to keep game, you know manipulating uh, the message. They're going to keep you know playing to fear and rage and division as long as that is a, stra- a political strategy that works. Yeah. So w- I, it has to be demonstrated to them in no uncertain terms uh, that aligning themselves with the demagogue in chief and always playing to our baser impulses uh, is not going to be effective politically. That's what that's what November 6th is all about. My state representative is Aaron Bernstein. Mm. And throughout my community, (laughs) I saw signs that said Democrats for Bernstein. And I think, what what the hell's going on here? I know the Democrats didn't really run anybody against him, but still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is the representation. Again, he's a clone of Daryl Metcalf. Mm-hmm. He's the one who said that, uh, you know, somebody would be justified in running down protesters. I think right. that was after that had happened. In well, he's the one who was shooting in his backyard getting uh, television coverage because he, he said somebody had uh, vandalized his driveway or something like that. And it was. Well, I think a lot of folks have uh, switched registration since mm-hmm. Trump. But we, I mean, how many times have, have, have you talked to folks in Beaver County and say, I'm voting for, you know, the Republicans right down the line and I'm a Democrat, right? right so right, that, that's, right. That, once again, that's part of this Reagan, Democrat, Fox News effect, talk radio effect. People didn't change their registrations, but their attitudes and opinions uh, were completely transformed, mm-hmm. right? And they would always want to throw that in your face. Well, but I'm, I'm a Democrat and I believe all these things. And in fact, I hate Democrats, but I'm yeah. still a Democrat. But I think since Trump... Uh, a lot of that, that people people, up, people finally updated their registration so they could vote for him in the important, primary. Important issues. What do you think are important issues? Um, a lot of a lot of people went to Trump because they didn't want to hear about transgenders. They didn't want to hear about uh, you know bathrooms that boys could go into girls' rooms and things like that. I mean, I, as a talk host, I, I he- I've heard this many many times. I read it. Um, climate change. As important as it is, there are a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, but that's not going to affect me. And these are Trump voters. Um, what else, I'm trying to think of some of the other issues that uh, abortion, women's rights, women's right to choose, uh, those sort of things. Uh, a lot of people just say, well, that, that really doesn't affect me. I, you know, what I'm worried about is that he's going to open up the steel mills again. He's going to, the, the coal mines are going to open up again, and we're all going to have jobs. America's going to be great again. So do you find that people, and I know you're passionate about those, and Aaron, I can see you boiling over there on some of these issues, but um, they're important issues to be passionate about, but can you get that through to the voters who just want to make sure they have a job and their kid has a job and we bring the steel mills back? I am going to say yes, because um, you have to have more faith that people have the capacity to care about more than just their own bread and butter. And I think I think that most people do. And, and you know, honestly, and there, there are actually studies that show this. There's um, University of California can't remember if it's LA or Santa Barbara, but they have a a leadership lab where people have gone out and used a method called deep canvassing to talk to people about these really tough cultural issues like transgender rights to try to dispel some of the fear and misunderstanding. And um, it's, it's completely understandable for someone to not understand the language or to have questions. But I think that fundamentally everybody can relate to the fact that we wouldn't want to see someone we loved you know, persecuted or 
you know, hurt. And so if you can connect on that level um, and start the conversation there, I think you can make some progress with people. But the main thing, and this is what we focus on with Hear Yourself Think, is, you know, you're not going to change somebody's religious beliefs and you shouldn't, right? That's not, you know, we shouldn't always be in this persuasion mode where everybody has to agree with you or else they're, you know, obliterated from your life. But what we can do, um, like Penn and Teller, the magicians, uh, we can reveal the trick. We can reveal how these issues around which there are deep divides are exaggerated and manipulated by politicians who want us divided at all costs. You know, there are areas where somebody, you know, who is strongly against abortion and someone who believes in a woman's right to choose could support a policy that provides more sex education to reduce the number of unplanned pregnancies and therefore the number of potential abortions. You know, there are potential areas of common ground, but we're not going to get anywhere near those if we're all allowing ourselves to be divided by demagogues, by propagandists, by politicians who, you know, when the Republicans had control under Bush, they didn't do anything to repeal Roe, right? So this, you know, showing how these issues are kind of cynically manipulated. So if propagandists and demagogues are using language and using communication to fool people, the more we can help expose that to people, not in a way that says you're a fool for believing it, mm-hmm. right? But it brings people up to the line where they can have that insight for themselves. And so, you know, just being able to say, well, what, you know, I, I totally respect, you know, your right to believe what you want about abortion. A lot of these politicians aren't sincere about their, their religious re- points. Yeah. So you should be careful about aligning yourself mm-hmm. with these folks. So Aaron and Dave uh, Neinhauser, Hear Yourself Think is there, uh, is it a podcast, uh, website? You talked about YouTubes. Uh, are those all available on that website? They are. So our website is hearyourselfthink.org. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a nonprofit organization and we do um, presentations to organizations. We do a longer communication training for people that want to uh, learn new skills to sort of have the kind of conversations that induce, you know, reflection and people thinking about their ideas rather than just entrenching and defending them. We also have done screenings of the film The Brainwashing of My Dad, which um, through the lens of the director's personal story of watching how her Kennedy era non-political dad transformed into like a radical, bigoted, you know, Rush Limbaugh fanatic charts the history of right wing media and the intentional strategy behind it, the impact that it's had. So we do a lot of different things. We've been doing voter registration because we think that's really the most important thing that everyone can do. Talk to your friends and family and, you know, help puncture that cynicism. You know, the government is as good as we make it with our participation. And when you don't vote, that's that's a vote. That's a vote to give your power away. You know, and so we're in a situation now where the very worst people are making decisions. And so all of us who are not, you know, motivated by hate, who care about those bread and butter issues, but also care about the foundation of our democracy and the connections between us as citizens, we have to get out there and and demonstrate our power through voting and registering people to vote. Do you think you're making a difference? Every little bit is making a difference, right? And like, uh, just to return to that, what I said earlier about the part of of the right-wing tragedy that is not holding is everybody doing just everything they can uh, to make a difference. Uh, Every little bit matters. Every voter you register, uh, every call you make, every door you knock on, it all matters now. All right, and go to hearyourselfthink.org and see everything Aaron and Dave Neinhauser are doing and join the effort. Thank you both for being here. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. This podcast is The Live Mike with Mike Romine on The Social Voice Project. If you like what you heard, make sure you like, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. 
You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network.